Hello, I'm Alex Bloomberg. Welcome to episode three of our five-episode mini-binge, where we play you some of the best startup episodes as chosen by our listeners. In the last episode, me and my new co-founder, Matt Lieber, successfully divided our imaginary company. Things were looking up. We were getting ready to launch our first podcast series, this very podcast series you're listening to right now, Startup. But we still had a problem. We had never really settled on a name, which brings us to the episode you're about to hear right now, How to Name Your Company. Enjoy. I'm Alex Bloomberg, and you're listening to Startup, the podcast miniseries documenting the launching of my podcast company. It's the business origin story you never actually get to hear, set down in real time, the most honest and transparent account I can make about something that happens every day in this country, but we hardly ever see firsthand, starting a business. You're listening to episode five. If this is the first episode you've heard, you might want to go back and listen from the beginning. But just to recap, previously on Startup, things were starting to look up for my co-founder Matt and me. We had investors, money in the bank. Okay, so should we do like check the account balance? Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> 385000 dollars But there was still a problem. When I went to California to pitch my idea, a network of podcasts focusing on narrative journalism and storytelling, to an investor named Matt Mazio, one of his main comments was about that name on our debit card, the American Podcasting Corporation. I don't love the name. I don't love the name. It's like this funny sort of callback to this old, to the old media times when like it was ABC and CBS, you know what I mean? APC. No, I get it. (laughs) Okay, one man's opinion, but I was starting to learn an opinion that was almost universally shared. Here's just a partial list of the people who also hated the name APC. My wife, many of my friends and colleagues, several investors, and my co-founder, Matt Lieber. I don't like it. I love podcasts, and if you listen to podcasts and you think it's a great name, but if you don't listen to podcasts, it just sounds like, oh, this is a company that does something that's difficult. And so I don't think we should embrace the legacy technology that even we acknowledge is not going to continue to exist. It's an off-putting name. There's that word in there, podcasting. Matt's point is that by naming ourselves American Podcasting Corporation, we're throwing our lot directly into whatever association people have in their minds about the word podcasting. He thinks we need a name that sets us apart, and we need it sooner rather than later. Money is starting to come in. We need a name that we can both agree on. And so we've gathered in Matt's backyard to brainstorm. It's late afternoon on a summer weekend, and we're in a good mood. We might be a little drunk, actually. We sound a little drunk. Compared to pitching investors or negotiating our equity split, brainstorming a name seems like fun. And listening back to this tape, we sound so innocent. We had no idea the anxiety, the cost, the time we would invest in coming up with a name. To kick us off, Matt read from a list of ideas that we'd both sent each other beforehand. The names here are Resonance, Story tone, cream. Most people are grossed out by that name, but I like it. Cream is, we can't name it cream. Cream is the Let me just say something about cream, because I like cream because it's rich. I like that we're both explaining our bad ideas. Go ahead. It's flowing. It's high quality. It's the top quality. It's comfortable. It feels like home. So I like cream. Cream top, cream tone, top tone, tone ship, cap tone. You might be noticing a theme here. Tone-based names. That was Matt's version of American Podcasting Corporation. What about Tonalist? Um, I just don't get Tonalist at all. Like, I feel like I don't, like, there's, 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 I feel like Tonalist, 
First of all, it's named after a horse. California Chrome on the outside. Tonalist. Tonalist Commissioner. Well, I think people will catch on. No, I mean, it happens to be the name of a horse. It's not named after a horse. Tonalist got there. Tonalist has won the Belmont Stakes. He has defeated... We were discovering distinct preferences in naming. Matt was more comfortable with a short, sleek, evocative name that might be right for a tech firm. I was more partial to Baroque, twee throwback names, more Brooklyn-based artisanal pickle company. To shake us out of our rut, we decided to resort to other languages. Matt went on Google Translate and started looking up words like audio and story and hear in various foreign languages, Italian, French, Hungarian. And then we hit on Esperanto. All right, so I think Esperanto is going to help us here. Esperanto, the utopian dream of universal language, developed in the late 19th century to, according to Wikipedia, transcend nationality and foster peace and international understanding. What could be more perfect as a basis for our name? We went on an Esperanto binge. Talk in Esperanto, discuto, a little weird. Honest, honestan, sounds like a Central Asian Republic. Companionship, kunaleko, a little hard to pronounce. But then we found it. Arello, I like Arello. That is, what is Arello? That's ear in, in Esperanto. I don't know, I think I like the sounds. Oral. It sounds like oral. It also, it also sounds like Oreo, which everybody has good feelings about. Arello. Of all the, of all the Esperanto words, I like Arello. Arello is very pleasing. Arello. Uh, one, two, three, one, two, three. All right. Later that night, I ran our new name by my wife, Nazanin. Orello. Orello? Orello. What is that, what is that supposed to mean? Well, it's, uh, it's ear in Esperanto. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's good though, right? <laughs> what? Whose idea was that? It came up organically. How does that come up organically? I was like speaking Esperanto. <laughs> Nazneen was not alone. Some people liked Arello, but most reactions were violently and definitively against. For most people, it called to mind the word oral, which is not a positive association. It's something gross, icky, and moist. In other words, we were back at square one. What we thought would be a simple summer afternoon exercise was turning out to be much more difficult. And time was ticking. Our company needed a website and a domain. We needed email addresses and business cards and a logo and a visual identity. And before we could do any of that, we needed a name. Coming up, our quest for a name is stymied by an unlikely opponent. That's coming up after a word from our sponsor. By fall, our lack of a name was just embarrassing. I got an email from one of our investors saying he really wanted to introduce us to someone he thought could really help us out. And this investor ended his email with this line, quote, do you have a business email now? The Gmail thing isn't the strongest foot forward. But it wasn't just our own limited imaginations that were keeping us from a name. 
we had the legal system working against us as well. For example, in late summer, after many sessions and emails back and forth, we'd finally hit on a name that felt good, Signal Bureau. Signal, it had a nice feel in your mouth. It was evocative. And it's also, turns out, already trademarked. Trademark number 86220285 for the Daily Signal, a website launched by the conservative think tank, the Heritage Foundation. There was one sentence in their trademark application that sunk us. The claim that the Daily Signal website would provide, quote, video and audio podcasts featuring politics, policy news, conservative commentary. Another name we really liked, Range Media. Sure, there was an Australian AV company called Range Media that specialized in making industrial videos about livestock for Australian agribusiness. But we didn't infringe on them. We did infringe on these guys. Up every morning at the break of day, you'll hear big bearded cowboy at the chuck wagon say. A country and western internet radio station out of Southern California called Range Radio. Internet radio and podcasting were too close for comfort, said our lawyer. Range is out. Daylight is a wasting boys, it's out of the shoots. Come on and ride, cowboy, ride. And this is a problem that others have noticed. In fact, it's reached the level of satire. Witness this fantastically profane clip from a recent episode of the cartoon South Park, in which Stan and Cartman and the boys try and launch their own startup, only to encounter the exact same problems with trademark that we were. I'll play the clip now of them spitballing names in their lawyer's office. And I should say, if you don't like aggressively offensive language or laughing, fast forward 40 seconds. Seriously, there's a lot of bad language. So if you're not into it, fast forward. Okay, here we go. Angry clit spasm. Nope, sorry. Whooping fart balls. Nope. Lubricated titty burgers. That's taken too. Indifferent rectal semen splooge. Sorry. Indifferent rectal semen splooge is taken? Come on! How are we supposed to name our startup company if every name is already taken? I told you, you just have to be really original with your company name. There's a lot of startup companies these days. Furry balls plopped menacingly on the table, Incorporated. That's available. Congratulations. So one route around this legal problem is the South Park option. Get progressively crazier and more outlandish with the name. Come up with our own version of furry balls plopped menacingly on the table, Inc. And you see this a lot in naming. Have you ever wondered why every internet company nowadays seems to end with L-Y or I-F-Y? It's to get around this very problem that we and the South Park kids were facing. We found over 100 names like this right off the bat. Bitly, Optimizely, Swarmly, Postcardly, Bugify, Metify, Spotify, just to name a few. There's other solutions, too. You drop a vowel, Flickr, Tumblr, Grinder, Blender. You add a letter, dig with two Gs, think with two Ks. Occasionally, the copyright problem drives companies to the awkward place of adopting two or more of these strategies. For example, Zoomer, three O's, no E. The other way to go is super straightforward. The one name we had no trademark problems with? The American Podcasting Corporation. And that's because a name that is purely descriptive isn't even eligible for trademark protection. So yes, we had no way to legally stop someone from starting their own company and calling it the American Podcasting Corporation. But on the other hand, no one could stop us. And besides, for me, a name like that fit better with my original vision of a slightly tongue-in-cheek old-school name. And so I tried to come up with another name, like APC, but without the word podcasting, and also without the word American, because as many people pointed out, podcasting is a global phenomenon. I think about it all the time, during breaks from work or going for a run, even in my sleep. Let's see. 
It's uh, 3.34 in the morning. Um, and uh, I think I came up with a name. Um, uh, I, I think I came up with a name. The Global Listening Service, GLS. The Global Listening Service. Global Listening Service. I like it. Listening back to this tape, I hear that arc that by this time was depressingly familiar. There's that aha moment when inspiration strikes, you feel like you finally got it. And then the moment hours or days later when you realize with shame and embarrassment that there's an obvious and glaring problem with the name visible to everyone else that somehow you'd been blind to. That problem being, in the case of the Global Listening Service, that it's the perfect name if you're a spy agency for a totalitarian world government in the dystopian future. Matt and I were getting a little desperate. We needed help. And so we went to an expert, a naming firm called Lexicon. You might drive a, a Subaru Outback or a Forester. You might have a, drive a, a Toyota Scion or a Vinza. Yeah, I, I would, would bet a large sum of money that you have had a bottle of Dasani water or stayed at an embassy suite hotel uh, along the way. All those names have been created by, by Lexicon. This is David Plasek, founder and president of Lexicon. And he recited just a few of the names that you've heard of that Lexicon has come up with. There's also a little laptop computer called the PowerBook. That was Lexicon. The BlackBerry phone, also Lexicon. The chip that runs a huge percentage of all the world's computers, the Intel Pentium. Lexicon came up with that too. They agreed to help us come up with our name and waive their usually quite hefty fee. In the interest of transparency, I should say, I assume they did this because of the publicity this story might generate for them, but we never talked about it explicitly. We just said, we love your help. We can't pay you. Do you want to do it anyway? They talked us through their philosophy of naming. A good name, said David Plasek, is an opportunity to distinguish what you're doing from what everyone else is doing. In the best cases, it redefines a whole category. Before Pentium, for example, microprocessors didn't really have names, just numbers, the 286 or the 386. Calling that chip a Pentium elevated it to a new status. David and his team, which included a trademark lawyer and a linguist, took us through their process, asking us what words we felt epitomized our company, what our values were, where we saw the company after five years, after 10. And then they said, okay, we'll take all this, go back and come up with a list of names for you. We'll also do a preliminary trademark search and present you with a list of contenders. And then about a week later, David Plasek met with us in New York and gave us the list of names they'd come up with. After a brief preamble, he launched right in. So here's the first one. It's a pretty simple one. It's called About That. Okay? It's just two words put together. We're modifying everything with media because I think that elevates you guys, right? And so here's this, you know, hey, you know, welcome to the Wednesday night edition of About, about That. It tells people that there's a subject here that's going on. Then the question is, is this distinctive enough? Okay. So here's the second one. It's a daily pitch. To set the scene, we're meeting in the New York Athletic Club, one of those old-school, old-money New York institutions. They won't let you in if you're wearing jeans. We're in an oak-paneled conference room. Out the window, you can see Central Park across the street. And I'm a little nervous about the first couple of names David throws out. They're a little corporate. I'm worried, is this whole process too corporate for us? We're not P&G. We're not Intel. Are these names going to be too stuffy, formal? 
David continues through his list. There were tone-based names, high tone, fresh tone, home tone, true tone. There were plays on media, media curve, media spike. There were invented names, what David calls coined names, Sovo and Voke. Nothing was feeling right. And then he got to what he called the flyers. All right, the next one is really a flyer here, okay? This is, this is lemon zest, okay? So, uh, so what does lemon zest do? It adds flavor to a subject, right? It brings something alive. Lemon zest, it's too cute, a little on the nose. But for me anyway, it finally felt like we were getting somewhere that could be right. He went through some more. Glisten and then Gimlet. Here's Gimlet, okay? Now, where did this come from? Okay. Uh, well, uh, think about, uh, you know, most people think about a gin giblet or a vodka giblet, right? So that's kind of a fresh experience, right? All right, so now my job is to stop talking and start listening. Uh, well, certainly a couple of them stand out as sort of like I was, I was immediately responding to. Um, Sorry, I mean, my initial reaction is these are really good options. I think we have good options here. Matt and I started talking about our favorites. Matt liked about that, although I worried it didn't have enough personality. Initially, we both liked Glisten because, you know, it had Listen in it. But it felt a little too ephemeral and fancy on second consideration. But we were both pretty into Gimlet. I mean, there's just something so pleasurable about it. It's just so, like, who doesn't want a Gimlet? <laughs> I could use one right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Gimlet a lot um, because of the flavor of it and the, f- and the freshness and the surprise that is one of my favorite names, by the way. I, I just I, I can see having a gimlet party. I mean, you you know you don't want to, you know, make. I, I said earlier, don't make things trite, things like that. So you have to be careful about how you use it. But I, but I, I I can see it working like that. We continued discussing, digging into the story behind gimlet. Where did that word come from? There was a major gimlet who helped invent the drink as a tonic to help with malaria. That was pretty cool. And the more we googled, the more right the name felt. For example, the phrase gimlet-eyed. The expression gimlet-eyed first appeared in print in 1752, and the idea of a piercing piercing or sharp glance, so gimlet-eye is a piercing or sharp glance or observation, came from the fact that a gimlet, circa 1420, is a small, sharp woodworking tool with a screw point and cross handle for boring holes. Um, so it came, it, it has passed into an adjective adjective describing sight, understanding, acute, sharp, piercing. I mean, that's so great. That's what we're trying to do. Like, in, that really is what we're trying to do. By the end, we achieved consensus. I looked over and saw Matt staring at his phone. After a minute, he looked up and said, I just bought the domain name gimletmedia.com. Then we all went to the swanky New York Athletic Club bar and had a round of gimlets. Lime, sugar, and gin. They were delicious. And I wish I could tell you that what happened next was easy, but it wasn't, mainly because of me and my tortured relationship to the naming process. On the way home, doubts already started to creep in. Was it right to have another company name our company? Did that somehow violate the spirit of starting your own company? I went on a flurry of rethinking, talking with everyone I could, frantically coming up with alternatives to Gimlet. The next day I came into the office and told Matt, it just wasn't right, we couldn't do it. Having a professional firm name our startup. We needed a more organic path. I thought Matt was gonna cry. This is a good name, he said. We like it. And more to the point, Lexicon already did a very time-consuming and expensive trademark search for us. But I couldn't stop waffling and second-guessing. What finally calmed me down was a visit to my old workplace, the Planet Money offices. I was there on business, and I wrote my old friends and colleagues, Kwok Trung Bui, David Kestenbaum, and Jacob Goldstein, into talking through my anxieties with me. I gathered them around, and I told them the name. Gimlet. 
sure, easy to spell. Sounds kind of like Mad Men, sexy. I'm okay with Gimlet. I'm okay with Gimlet. At the time, when we came up to, with it, like we were like, that's the one, Gimlet. It's got like, it, it's like, it's like simple but sophisticated. It's like it had all these like associations, easy to say. It sounds like fun. But then I was feeling like, if it's going to be sort of like a random association nonsense word, it feels lame to have somebody else come up with it. Oh, but that, that doesn't matter. Who came up with it is the past, right? Like yeah. once your company is a company, it's going to be great and it's just going to be the name and nobody's going to care who came up with it. And if your company fails, it won't matter either. I know. I know that to be the case, but it also feels like I have like a gigantic pit in my stomach in a way that this feels like high stakes, like the way nothing else Here's has felt. Thing. Here's the thing. Like, like Tumblr is weird, but I don't even think about what it means or whether it's weird or not or whatever. I just think of it as the thing, right? The emptier it is, the better it is. It can be anything you want. So he's, in the point, Jacob's right. As, as long as it's empty. Yeah. Gimlet's a blank screen. You project whatever you want onto it. Right now you're projecting your anxiety about naming it, but like once this show goes up, like it'll just be what your company is. Do Gimlet. Do it. So there you are. We still had to pay almost two grand to do a full trademark search. This time, the results came back clear. We are now Gimlet Media. If I'm honest, I'm still getting used to the name. And maybe you hate it. Maybe you love it. But our job, replace the Gimlet Media that's in your mind right now with the Gimlet Media that we're going to build. Hello again. It's the me of today. Man, is it weird listening back to those old episodes. Welcome to The After Show. On this one, we're going to answer another question from a listener. A listener who told me that when she heard the episode that you guys just heard, it was sort of a pivotal moment for her. Hello, this is Rahana. Hi, how are you? Alex, very uh, delightful to talk to you. Uh, likewise. Rohana Wise is the founder and CEO of Wise Trading Technologies, which offers currency risk protection for investors. She was starting her company around the same time we were starting Gimlet. And she was listening to the episode you just heard about us naming Gimlet while she was trying to name her own company. That episode was kind of a turning point for me that we decided not to get fancy with our name. Oh. And we're just Wise Trading Technologies, which okay. is my last name. So why did you name your company after your last name? Because, well, you know, it's a good last name. It, you know, it's a reasonable name for a company anyway. Uh-huh. But because I couldn't come up with anything. I listened to your episode and there was that scene where you suggested something and your wife just bust out laughing. I got, and yeah. I, that was like the, the moment for me. I was like, people need to stop getting fancy. Just pick a name. <laughs> Aurelo. <laughs> Aurelio, oh, yes. yeah, that was what, yes, exactly. That was, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Esperanto for um, ear. Uh, yes, I remember there was some, yeah. some explanation. Um, somebody just tweeted us about that actually recently. Like somebody just like, there was some, there's some Silicon Valley company that was named Vero, which is like Esperanto for truth. And people were tweeting, <laughs> tweeting us. <about> <laughs> um, naming is the worst. It's the hardest thing. <laughs> And I, I think a thing that made me feel better about it was that, like, I also feel like it's a thing that you personally, as the namer, have literally no perspective on. So it's like one of those things that's really hard. And also, you have no idea if you're right or not. Right. Because you, you are the last person with any perspective on the, on the name. And, and the thing that really brought this home to me was, I think I can tell this story on the air. So when I worked at This American Life, there was a piece of paper on the bathroom door. Uh, that was like this like old Word document that was printed out. 
and it had like all these different names. And then somebody had framed it and written the caption, like notes from when we named the show in 1995. And it was like horrible puns on the name Ira Glass, like glass houses. <laughs> there were these other puns like long walk on a short pier because it was located on Navy Pier. And then there was all these other ones that were just sort of like, you know, Americana, American, you know, stories, you know. And then there was a couple that were like starred. And one of the ones that was starred was This American Whatever. And then one of the ones that was started was, was, was This American Life. And that's funny. And then it became a joke inside This American Life that, like, what if he had actually named it This American Whatever? Because that was such a moment in time <laughs> joke. Like, whatever. Right. Like, somebody joked in the time, like, it was like, it was like naming it This American Talk to the Hand or something. It was like this moment in time <laughs> sort of reference. Uh, so, anyway. So that became a running joke inside This American Life. Like, oh my God, what if you named it This American Whatever? Cut to 2014, and we've just named the company Gimlet. And I was talking to Ira on the phone, who I'm still very close to, and he was giving me advice and helping me. And I was talking about how hard it was to name anything. And I was like, how do you feel about This American Life now that it's the way it is? And he was like, and he literally, in all seriousness, he was like, I really still wish we'd named it This American Whatever. Yeah. And I was like, are you serious? He was like, yeah, I really like that name. I really fought for that name. And I was like, oh my God, that is the worst name. That would have been such a bad name. This American Life is such a much better name. This is a man who's like built his entire career on his like taste. He's like makes good aesthetic decisions. And like the fact that he could be so wrong about that was made me feel like, okay, yeah. I'm wondering how you feel about your your choice now at this all these years later. Uh, well, big picture, I feel fine. Like, I feel like what happened is what we thought would happen, which is sort of like Gimlet just became the vessel. It has its own meaning now, which is the the, sure. the, the company that inhabits the name Gimlet. And like, people don't think that much, like people, when they come to it for the first time, they're like, Gimlet, what's that about? But then at a certain point, you're just sort of like, oh, it's, it's just, people talk about it. Yeah. It became real. And I remember after we named it, I was really, really nervous about it. And then all of a sudden, like the next day or two, people were using it in conversation. And somebody was just like, oh yeah, well, you know, where do you work? I work at Gimlet. What are you doing? I'm calling from Gimlet. <laughs> and just like hearing people use it, it was just like, oh, I guess it's just, it's now a thing. It's the, you know, and that, and it, and it became very normal very quickly. Uh, so and I guess what I'm saying is that it became a thing that I have, that I almost entirely stopped thinking about almost immediately. Yeah. Like once the decision was yeah, made and it became a thing that was in the world, it just is, and there's no there's no going back. That being said, I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe there's a better name out there. That, you know, if we'd thought about it more, <laughs> like you know, possibly. Uh, but at this point, it's like I wouldn't change it. You know, because like we're gimbal well, now. No. Like it's now. It's where that's yeah. where we are. So yeah. Thank you, Rohana. That is it for today's after show. Next up the fourth episode in our five-episode mini binge drop where our young fledgling company faces its first major crisis. Check it out. The after show for this episode was produced by Luke Malone. It was edited by Devin Taylor, Annie Rose Dresser, Lisa Chow, Molly Messick, and me. Andrew Dunn mixed the episode. The episode How to Name Your Company was produced by Caitlin Roberts. The music was by Build Buildings and Mark Phillips, who also mixed the episode. Editing help by Julia Barton. Hey, Julia. To subscribe to Startup, go to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you like to use. If you like this podcast and you're new to podcasts, boy, are you in for a treat. There's lots more podcasts like this at Gimlet Media's website, gimletmedia.com. Check it out. 
you're in for a bonanza of podcast delight. GimletMedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup or at Gimlet Media. Thank you for listening.